0: I hate to hear myself, by the way. I hate to hear my voice. Do you? Yeah. A lot of people like to hear their voices. I got in the wrong business. I hate to hear my voice, and I hate to watch myself on TV. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No question. Okay. All right. Here we go.
1: The following is a Tony Lozano podcast. It's an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville, or... With Steve Baskerville and Howard Sudbury, or, uh, depending how, the the you, how you want it. I know that's how you want it. Why did you ask, uh, did I know what that
0: was, when I wrote that for you?
1: you? Not only didn't you write it, you won't read it. I got all these
0: notes I was supposed to read. <laughs> Howard is the this note thing. master, and he comes in, and he'll text me or email me pages of notes and questions. Just, just pages. <laughs> and I, he, he goes at this thing like he's studying for the SATs, and he's got to get in the college entrance. is coming up Tuesday.
1: Yeah, we could have Barack Obama. On the show. And and by the way, we're going to shoot for that. Uh, that's one of well, our goals. That's a real get. That's a get. Yeah, That would be good. Yeah. He but can we sit both, there. You don't have to come in that day. I don't want to. <laughs> he can host it. He can read <laughs> all these right. notes. I'm
0: not showing up that day.
1: Uh, but he, uh, not to name drop. Well, I guess it is name dropping. Uh, we both know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to play basketball with him. I don't know that that means if they got to him and said, Hey, Mr. President, would you go on a podcast with Stephen Howard called "Back to You"? Well, get back to them and tell them no. Get
0: back. Yeah, to that's what he'd get say.
1: back to them and tell them absolutely not. So anyway, I read my name first. How are you? How am I?
0: Yes, I'm doing how fine. are you? are you doing great. All right? I mean, I'm I'm feeling good. I uh, I'm looking forward to um, what we're going to talk about today and who we're going to talk. What to are because, we going to talk about? Because <laughs> it's a it's something dear to my heart and probably everybody's as well. Just you know, as toddlers, you, you, you sort of walk around with an urge to sing because you hear somebody in your family singing, like mom or yes. dad or something. Sure. And, and whether you can or not, it it it's something that. Be- becomes part of your life at an early age, and some people nurture it, and others claim to be good at it in the shower, and they get locked in the bathroom.: Yes, so nobody <laughs> wants to hear it.:
1: Do you sing now?:
0: Yes. On a regular basis? Yeah. Do you sing in the car? Uh, yeah. yeah. The funny thing is I sang in the shower today because that goes back to high school. I actually hadn't thought you showered. I, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you.
2: Why do you say it every day? I wasn't positive. But
0: this day was a shower day. And, I, and um, because of the echo and the shower, it makes your voice sound extra special. And, and, and especially if you try to sing some falsetto song, like, uh, like an old doo-wop song, uh, is great. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are things that make me, there are times that make me sing throughout the day. Not out loud, necessarily, but hum something or a song will come to mind. Something will remind me of, of uh, actually, uh, when our guest is properly introduced and we talk to him. I will bring up something that happened when I was about 12 years old that was... Uh, I'm reminded of it because this week that we're doing this is the week of the 4th of July, and it had to do with singing. is you know that a nice what, tease? That's a good it, tease. Isn't it is it? a yeah. good tease. Uh,
1: you, you know what's really embarrassing, though, is you're, when you're driving, like, on the Kennedy Expressway in Chicago and you're singing along with a Taylor Swift song, and there's a car drives by you. It's, you know, it's a guy. Literature. It's it's there. <laughs> No, it's a guy drives by you and notices, <laughs> yes. and he's got the same station on. That's really embarrassing. Well, then you
0: can harmonize. Well, you can. Um, where do we go from here? You already introduced our guest. Well, I saw it. Not in any real official and uh, formal way that he deserves, but you do that.
1: Let me ask you this before we get to him. Yeah. Um, who's the most... Famous person that you have ever interviewed, or let's
0: say most interesting interviewed, or just been around or interviewed. Met. Interviewed. Yeah. I you know I've had a chance to. Goodness gracious! I don't know. It would have to be maybe an actor, um, somebody in the world of entertainment. I can't. Buddy think of epson them. No, I never. I danced <laughs> with them, but I didn't sing <laughs> or talk to him the most famous person I ever interviewed. I'm glad that you asked me this earlier so that I could think of it and come up with one. <laughs> you like it <laughs> when I throw stuff no, at you. No, because there's so many... People. See, I... Uh, you know, I'm, you've been around, like, the Mike Douglas in those old days, and you see these people all come the people and go. people coming and going. Oh, my goodness, Sammy Davis yeah. and Kirk Douglas and Jimmy Stewart. All these people were roaming the halls where I used to work at one time very early in my career. But... Um, you know, standing beside uh, Jimmy Carter, former president, or or Clinton. Or, I right. mean, like I've been in their company Obama. and talked to, or Barack Obama, who probably will like come we, on the show. Well, maybe if we make enough references to him, <laughs> if we he beg might. enough. Um, what about you? The reason I, mean, off I bring, the back you, <laughs> I I
1: just want to bring up a bizarre one. Yeah, um, I once interviewed Jim Neighbors who younger people won't know. Uh, Samuel, our producer, is yawning in there as I say this. (laughs) I remember him very well, though. Jim Neighbors uh, became very famous for one of the most popular sitcoms in the 60s, Gomer Pyle MC. Yeah, he spun out of the Andy Griffith Show, right? Yes. Yeah. And he played... Uh, southern guy with an accent uh, but he had this beautiful beautiful voice and for years and years he was the voice of the indianapolis 500 and he sang back home again in indiana which kind of kicked off the race and our guest has kind of taken that mantle now which is very, very prestigious. Yes. And our guest and is... And you talk about a big audience listening yes. to you as you perform. Yes, Can't exactly. get bigger than that. I think it's 150, 160,000. Yeah. We'll find out. Our guest is Jim Cornelison, the, uh, <laughs> known for the national anthem and now for back home again in Indiana. Jim, how are you?
2: I'm doing great. Good to be here. I hope you could
0: survive some of this nonsense before we
2: introduce you. I'm a big fan of nonsense. I'm all right with it, you know? So I I say let the nonsense roll. How
1: many people are... On site at the Indy 500.
2: Well, over three hundred thousand. Over three hundred thousand. So, yeah, yeah. So it's the largest sporting event in the world. I guess you could argue that the Olympics or World Cup are larger, but you're never going to have that amount of people at one time in one place. That would be spread out over weeks and different different games or matches or events, right? So you, you just don't get that many people in one place anywhere else, and no. it's uh, very. I highly recommend it as a bucket list item for anybody who's a sports fan at all. i doesn't have to be
0: I've heard that it's quite
2: the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the energy and the spectacle of it you know just taking in that many mm-hmm. that many people mm-hmm.
1: you mean to put it on your bucket list to be able to sing back home again in Indiana <laughs> to the crowd
2: that's on my bucket list I'm not giving that one up uh, <laughs> if I can avoid it I will keep doing it uh, so but going to the race itself uh, yeah. you know it's the granddaddy of all all car races largest uh, you know uh, event in the in the world and to there's so much tradition. There's a great, you know, pre-race ceremony that's full of tradition from, uh, you know, the different songs that are sung and and, uh, taps and the balloon release and gentlemen, start your engines. You know, it's just a a fantastic thing to to be part of.
0: Now, is it a challenge to sing under those conditions? I mean, I don't know whether acoustically you have what you need. I mean, is it... Is it a different experience
2: from another stadium setting? Yeah, you know, they say they have the most powerful sound system in the world there. And doing the sound checks, for example, you just hear this sound coming at you from all over. It's a a two-and-a-half-mile track. So that sound system is spread out all the way around the track. So when you're doing that in the empty stadium, you hear all that noise coming back at you. On race day, it's it's a little bit different. But uh, I'll tell you what I do. I like we do it with the Purdue band. And I'm an Indiana University graduate, so I call that's the one day of detente in the year <laughs> between Indiana yeah. University and Purdue, right? Uh, but uh, I have a conductor, which is great to have that visual point of reference when you're singing in an environment that is just so, so big. Gets you out of your own head, keeps you from listening to that delay, which has a tendency to slow you down, uh, keeps you right in the moment. So most times when you sing in front of a big crowd,
1: you have to wear earpieces, don't you, so you can hear your own voice and know where you are, and you're not
2: hearing the... Your own voice come back at you two seconds later. Right, I actually don't, Howard. I you never. Don't? I know. I never wear earpieces. They ask me all the time if I want a wedge. Uh, at the United Center, Frank uh, Pellico has headphones on, and he uh-huh. can hear directly from my mic. So it's really on on him to follow me, and I try to be kind of, especially in the United Center where it can be so loud, try to be kind of predictable so we can be uh, together.
1: We'll get to the national anthem in a second, but sticking with the Indy 500 when was your first year and how many years in a row now have you done it Uh, the first year was 2017 so it's been three years
2: yeah and how did it come about did they come to you did uh... well I guess first because Jim neighbors did it for over 30 years uh, he had said I I can't make this trip anymore from uh, Hawaii yeah Uh, he was in his 80s and it was just time for him to step away Uh, So that was the first thing that happened. And then they had uh, somebody who had won The Voice and I think Straight No Chaser for each couple Mm -hmm. of years. They felt like that wasn't really capturing what they wanted to continue with the moment Uh, because it is a very powerful, very... A yeah. Dramatic moment. The is really acapella group. It's an anthem. It is an anthem. It's yes. a, you know, it's not the national anthem, right. but it's an anthem, and it's a song of uh, of the people, is what I mean by that. And people attach to it and identify with it very strongly, and they sing along, and and uh, and they want something there that they can connect to. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the way they got to me, uh, I just I just got a phone call from them, and uh, uh, I was uh, surprised. But I'd also seen enough kind of social media... Because I went to Indiana University, right. I'd seen enough kind of social media activity over the last couple of years of people saying you should get this guy, you should get Jim, you know, yes. and huh. uh, yes. and in my head, you know, you fantasize about it a little bit. Wow, that would be really cool, but you know, you can't hire yourself. So. <laughs> yes, well,
0: well, you haven't been around this place long enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. oh, is, that how, is that how the podcast world works? <laughs> That's how you get one. Here.
0: Here. Yes. Uh, now, if, now, was that you mentioned? bucket list for things to do to performances to to experience was that something that you sort of fantasized about you know years ago you
2: know uh when i saw some of the first uh social media posts that people put out i thought wow that would be pretty amazing right just because having gone to indiana and having been to uh, at least the the time trials before uh, i had a sense of how uh, how how big that that race was um so boy i gotta tell you though saying i had a sense of how big it was is a little bit false because you just don't get it until you go yeah.
1: yeah i hate the term bucket list by the way <clears throat> i like the movie yeah but uh i don't like to think about the bucket what is that uh,
2: what, what's, what's the, the issue here? Oh, I see. Yeah, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. Well,
0: yeah. we'll move the bucket farther away from you, so don't worry about tripping over it yeah. or anything. Tripping over it or yeah.
2: kicking it or yeah. anything. You prefer now, thinking of immortality, Howard? Yeah. Is that it? Like, now, now, well, with
1: technology, who knows?
0: Yeah. Now, I want to. Can I relate a singing experience? Just because you made me think of it, uh, Jim, and I mentioned that I would talk about it later. Yeah. Uh, Fourth of July. I must have been about 12, and I was in the uh, all-city Philadelphia Boys Choir. And what they did was they just went around to every school and sort of plucked you out of class and said, you're in it. (laughs) If you could keep a note, you know, you're in it. But we had a chance to experience a lot of different venues as this big choir. So it's the 4th of July, hot. It's in Philadelphia, uh, Independence Hall, and we're standing there, his little kids. And this old man is approaching us. And he's got a cane in each hand and a Marine on each arm. And he bows to us. And we bow back to him, nobody knowing who it was. And it was Herbert Hoover, President oh, wow. Herbert Hoover. Wow. lived to be close to 90, but was there for the special occasion. just blew us away. We didn't really know. We maybe had heard the name before, but could connect. You? We were like 12, 12 or something yeah. like that. And here's this old man who was a former president and talking about history. Have you performed in front of anybody that made you inside go, Oh, my goodness. I can't believe this person is in the audience wow. or listening
2: to me. Uh, honestly, um uh, I was asked to sing at a uh, fundraiser that Barack Obama attended several years back. I normally don't do anything uh, political, but it kind of came through a friend. It asked, you know, somebody at the at, at the Hawks mm-hmm. who was a friend of Rocky or whatever, and it was kind of like, "Yeah, do you mind doing it or whatever?" And I'm mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, okay, I'll do it because you don't say no to Rocky. I mean, or or sure. you know, or to his office. It's but I really try to or stay to, out of or that. To Barack. Yeah, uh, but I, I did Rounder's inauguration, which was which was great. But of course, it was an inauguration for a lot of people that were elected mm-hmm, in that mm-hmm, yeah. that that day. And um, then
0: you have to realize, I mean, you're in front of uh, big names and stars all the time with the team itself. I mean, that's right. And, and I guess you wouldn't know necessarily who's in the audience.
2: You know, what was really cool was. Uh, the the first year after i did back home again in the end in indiana in 2017 i went down for an indy fuel game which is a minor league hockey team in indianapolis which is also a blackhawk affiliate okay well guess who got the very start of their career there a hockey player just pick somebody outrageous uh bobby hall Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky. Nice. So the Indy Fuel asked me to come down and sing Back Home Again in Indiana because they were doing, I think it was an all-star game or something there, and Wayne Gretzky was the special guest. Nice. Ah. So that was when I was standing in the penalty box waiting to walk out (laughs) next to Gretzky, I was like, wow, that's that's pretty amazing. but I gotta say there's been a couple uh instances where I have stepped back and said, Holy moly, how did this happen? And and that was yeah. certainly the case the first time I sang at the uh uh Indianapolis oh, five hundred. Sure. Sure.
1: So for people that may not have listened to Back to You with uh Howard and Steve. Uh, we're coming from Chicago, and Jim is the voice of the national anthem for the Chicago Blackhawks. And the Arlington and, uh, Million. And the Arlington Million, <laughs> the, where I work, uh, the racetrack. Uh, it's August 10th this
2: year. Look, the crowd goes absolutely right now.
0: crazy. I don't want to make Jim nervous, but I might be in the crowd. You are Yeah, and him, knowing that yeah. I'm there.
2: Shouldn't have told me that. Yeah.
0: Um, well, it's <laughs> almost keep, keep that. Part it's of almost quiet.
2: sold out. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, you got news for me? Yes. It's more like <laughs> so. <yeah. laughs> anyway, I'll see what
1: I can. I'll see what I can
2: do. But uh, how did the Blackhawks thing come about then? Oh, uh, so I was invited to. I was. Uh, I. I was a professional opera singer, right? And yeah. I was invited to. Uh, uh chicago in 1995 by the lyric opera of chicago to be a part of uh uh, their apprentice program which is now called the ryan center so uh i had a buddy from indiana that was singing in the chorus at the time and he was also doing anthems for the blackhawks and uh he said hey jim you know they're they're looking for another guy to come down here and, and do this uh would you be interested and i thought that sounds like a blast You know, I'm going to be in town for two years, and uh, uh, that that sounds like a lot of fun, you know. So I think there were five of us, and it was not on TV, and the team wasn't nearly as good. And they rotated us, and you weren't really locked in because, of course, my schedule, which was evening and weekend heavy at the Lyric Opera House, came first, you know. Uh, But I could pop in, do six, seven, eight games a year, and uh, uh, it was a blast. I tell you the first time I went in and I, and I sang at the United Center it was empty, so that You were talking about your shower experience. That's uh, it's like singing in a giant bathtub with nobody in there, and you're amplified, and it's just it's like I am King Kong, you know? Yes. (laughs) And uh, it was just.
1: He he didn't say nobody was in there. (laughs) Oh,
2: (laughs) well, that's true. (laughs) Take it easy.
0: Calm down. All right, just Just for for a a minute. Just for a minute.
2: (laughs) Anyway, so that was uh, that was pretty amazing, and then they told me about everybody cheering, and at the time I was like well you know I mean I'm used to standing on stage with an orchestra going so strong you know no big deal It only kind of checked in barely to that piece of information I was being given and so when I went out and uh, sang the first time and everybody started cheering you know there's moments where the crowd swells yeah and that carries a a certain kind of energy to it and uh, and there was a moment when I was singing it where the crowd kind of swelled up with this cheering and, and it just it just filled me sure. with so much emotion that I started to get choked up mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you recognize that because uh literally obviously being choked up we say that when we get emotional but it's because our throats tighten up yeah. mm-hmm. that's a bad idea if you're singing yeah, sure. <laughs> yes. so uh so I had to kind of like just step back and and get everything mm-hmm. suppressed and under control so I could do, uh, do the song it did catch me me.
0: I feel like we buried part of the story. Like in the news, you bury the lead. Yes. Wait a minute. This whole operatic singer yes. experience, what was that like? I mean, <laughs> that's a whole thing in itself, right?
2: Oh, it is a whole thing in itself. I look back at my life at certain pivot points, and uh, and uh, one of those was when the Lyric Opera of Chicago invited me to here. I mean, it's one of four uh, opera houses in the Western Hemisphere that have these incredible... Uh, um, Uh, uh, incredible apprentice programs and Mm -hmm. once you get into those you're kind of under the magnifying glass from uh, conductors and promoters and other opera you know aficionados from around the world and so uh i did my two years there and when i left i was managed by columbia artists and uh, my my first job was in bordeaux in france i was there seven weeks interesting yeah and those first couple years i was in uh bordeaux i was in london i was in brussels i was in seattle and san francisco and uh here again of course minneapolis i i mean it just was on the road uh, a, a lot um I loved it. I mean, I love singing with an orchestra, but I also love being home and not living out of a suitcase.
1: (laughs) Isn't it funny how life takes its twists and turns and you don't know how things are going to wind up and you end up, you know, as your main gig is singing for the Blackhawks. and You would have never dreamt
2: it. No, I never thought that as an opera singer you have any kind of career (laughs) singing for a team, or if you did, that it would mean really anything. But uh, for me, it's been a platform that has... You know NASCAR, Indy, the Bears opener, which I'll do this year, which is a real honor. That's a hundred year uh, anniversary of the NFL. Ooh, Bears Packers There's nice. th- September five. That's uh, that's cool. It Thursday is. night football. Yes. That's the only game happening that night. Yes. You know that's uh, that's national TV. That's pretty neat that's to be what part of.
1: Watching that. this might seem like well, it probably is a silly question, but uh, you sing the anthem all the time. Uh, do you have to practice? Do you
2: practice? Uh, I warm up, you know, to kind of get the uh, the anthem going. Uh, and then every once in a while, I'll pull out an opera score, and I'll sing some things just to uh, keep myself honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't practice like I used to. I mean, it's just not, not need uh, for it.
0: Do you ever, you know, people would ask us, gee, before a show, do you ever get nervous? Do you ever... You know, get anxious about it. Does it become routine to you that where, where you sort of do do it without thinking about it necessarily?
2: I think that there are routines. But uh, do you get nervous before a show?
0: I get an energy, energized. Yeah. Get a, you yeah. get something that goes on yeah. in, your, in your stomach. It's yeah.
2: like if you don't, you don't care, right? Right, right. I, I mean, you're not taking it seriously enough. I, I always get uh, what I would say is a little bit nervous. Yeah. Sometimes a lot nervous, but always a little bit. Yeah. I
1: think adrenaline might be the best the best word, and you're right, because if you don't get a little pumped up, you're not doing your job. Sure. Yeah. Steve gets a little nervous when he's getting ready to do a show with me. <laughs> yeah, because
0: the name, the name of this should be Back to the Loose Cannon
1: featuring Howard Sudbury. <laughs> Tell Jill, so I, I do all the preparation. I write notes. I email it, text it to him like yeah. the night before. You know, with all this preparation, and tell him about your favorite one with, with the first
0: line. What did it <laughs> yeah. say? Yeah, Howard tries to be. Uh, he tries funny. to be. He tries to be funny. <laughs> he does. He, what's funny? is that's all that counts. <laughs> when he sends me six pages of questions, just, that's funny. Uh, uh, but then at the top of it, he'll he'll put the the time that we get together, and then he'll put behind it sharp. <laughs> Arrive 11 a.m. sharp. That means don't be late. Yes. <laughs> I always wonder, now, is that a kind way of saying it? Or is that, what's under that sharp? But the other, one nice... I was,
1: the other one I was going for yeah. was the direction for the show. And what did it say at the top? We were going to talk about what, small talk?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Small talk. What is small
2: talk? We
0: start with small talk.
2: Yeah. What is I, that? I, I, I guess I kind of get the small talk one. The sharp one, I'm with you. I'm a little bit yeah. like, it's what we call subtext, right? Yes, In yes, theater, exactly. There's, exactly. There's, there's like a paragraph behind yeah. that one word sharp. How am I to What is that, that paragraph? What yeah. are you
0: saying about me and my nature of arrival? Uh, Just be here. I'll have you know I got here at 1109 sharp. Yes, you did. You told I me did. You're, you're I didn't see it on your her paper, but I got here.
1: You were going to be here sharp. at 1030, you told me. Well, that was yesterday. But speaking of small talk, though, one of our best shows uh, was started out with small talk was the one in which we had Herbert Hoover. <laughs> that I thought that was a good
0: show didn't uh, you? Uh why don't we play a cricket cart now? <laughs> <laughs> Mr <laughs> Mr Funny Man. That wasn't that funny. <laughs> Mr Funny Man. You know Jim, I was wondering if you as at a as a kid um realized that that's what I want to do. I, I want to make a career out of out of singing or performing or did you, or this is
2: something that came much later, yeah I came much uh much later i i didn 't really sing except in the- sh- man, not even in the shower we we would sing in the car sometimes traveling you yeah. know um but i didn't no i didn't sing in choirs i guess i did i remember doing a solo in church when I was eight. it was old rugged cross. And, uh, I think the word hell or damn or something is in that song, like verse three or, and I was like really excited about that. that was,
0: yeah. Why does he keep singing verse three over and <laughs> yeah, over and that's over right. again?
2: <laughs> it's not damn, damn, damn. Yeah. He's what's like, going on? <laughs> sing that for emphasis. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, I, I joined uh, jazz choir the last semester of high school in order to, uh, finish off the credits that were required. Uh, tried out for the wizard of Oz to be the cowardly lion and they, they chose another guy and uh you know i thought come on you know i could sing better than him (laughs) but uh it wasn't until the end of my freshman year of college when a professor grabbed me pulled me aside and said look jim are you serious about music and i thought well i think so i mean i like it he said well uh, i was taking piano lessons at the time and he said uh you're not a very good piano player um what you need to do is think about studying voice Mm -hmm. but i'm like a small town country guy i i um I, uh, the idea that you could study voice, I never even considered such mm-hmm. a thing or heard of such a thing. I mean, you could either sing or you can't. Or oh, you can't. Yeah. I wrote that well, song, by the way. You did. You could either <laughs> sing or you can't. Yeah. It's
0: actually <laughs> kind of catchy. Yeah. Now, what, what was your first paying job i mean the first time in the field of music that you got a check and you said man maybe there is a career here
2: oh well i mean the first time i got paid to sing was singing for a seattle opera when i was about 21 and that was in the chorus Mm -hmm. they they needed a bunch of guys and they'd heard me and some other guys in a quartet out singing and they said hey we'd love for you guys to come uh it wasn't you know the bar just keeps going higher i'm not sure it's one thing but uh getting scholarships to go to Seattle Pacific University and then being asked to sing in that opera chorus um, and then getting into Indiana and then getting all these lead roles at Indiana and then winning some competitions then being asked to the Lyric Opera it's like Where's the ceiling on this thing? And there never nobody ever told me I didn't have what it took. It was always the opposite. It was like you've got something special, you know, it could be you know, there's no guarantees in the business. Yeah. But But yeah. you
0: certainly weren't discouraged by anybody.
2: Which no, is great. never. Never. It was always the opposite, yeah.
1: I found it interesting where you were talking about studying voice when that was first mentioned to you. Can you put it into layman terms? What kinds of things you are taught and, you know, a lot of people can carry a tune, but they don't know how to use their voice properly. Right. So, right. So what do So what do they teach you? How can you explain that to people in studying voice, how to use your
2: voice properly? Well, here's the trick with voice is it's complicated and it requires the coordination of a lot of things at once. Uh, so I, I'll tell people it's kind of like a uh, a golf swing, except you can't see the mechanism. So you, working with somebody, they have to have a kind of a combination of looking at you and understanding the mechanism, but also hearing when you're doing something wrong and being able to say, wait, what was that? You know, uh, so for... Um, for me, I haven't done a lot of teaching, so putting this stuff into words like what you're asking is a little hard, but I have just this uh, this year. Uh, an, a Marine came to me who has gone through now six years of uh, cancer um, uh, treatments uh-huh. and in the process has had uh, an eye removed, and part of his skull, part of his jaw, part of his upper palate, and uh, he was told, hey, um, you're um, – You're going to lose your your voice. We have to go in and take another part of your throat. And you're going to lose your voice. You won't be able to eat again. Well, then I went into remission. And they said, okay, we're okay for now. And he's like, oh... What do I want to do? What do I want to do before I lose my voice what and and he wanted to sing the national anthem and uh he's from the north shore of chicago and he uh he called me or I met him on an elevator or I can't remember now it's but but uh uh and he asked me to help him and of course there's you know, yes, but I told him I don't teach voice and and uh and I, and there's no. He wasn't really asking me to teach him voice he was asking me to give him pointers for the national anthem i said i have nothing i can say to you that's going to help you um i only know one way to help you sing the anthem and that would be to work at it and do lessons and come in and but i'm not a teacher it's going to take some work. So, he actually uh, he didn't want to sing this anthem in church. He didn't want to sing this anthem in the shower. He wanted mm-hmm. to sing it in major sports venues, and he just did his on May twenty sixth for the San Francisco Giants. He and, did. yeah, and he did mm-hmm. a hell of a job. Wow! And you can you can find that. I think the Giants put out a uh, a thing where they talked about his cancer and they kind of show him singing or whatever. But it's uh it's very very That's powerful because he really elevated his uh he really elevated his game. In did it but you know we started with uh we started with breathing and we started with a concept of support and how do you have an open throat and i mean i, I t- my approach is that of, of singing classically and that really requires an involvement of the body and the diaphragm when you sing and 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 keeping the the larynx and the vocal cords in, in uh in kind of a natural position where everything's open right and uh um yeah, we just exercise exercise exercise, you know, you, you, you we worked on different things. It's just really hard to really hard to, hard to uh, explain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could involve like get on the floor and curl up in a ball and cramp your stomach up so no air can go into your the you front. You
0: know, I do that every night.
2: Yeah, do you curl up in a ball? I, well, I never thought I never <laughs> thought, I never you, thought you, of Steve singing for... along with that. I have this long what I'm afraid is a boring monologue, and it needed an interruption, and I appreciate that. No, no, was no, no. it was very interesting, actually.
1: It's fascinating to me. Uh, just think about a guy like Jagger. The Stones just played in Chicago, and he is, what, between 75 and 80 and can still <laughs> sing and move like he does that's right. unbelievable if you think oh, it about is.
2: it it absolutely is i saw some video of him saying cuz he had some heart thing right yes he uh-huh. did and uh, he sent out a video showing him working out getting ready for his concert yeah. tour and he's like yeah the heart's good you know and man what he was doing i was like all right i don't even want to <laughs> right i don't even want to compete with this guy <laughs> and i'm a lot younger
0: <laughs> but you know i mean you are a reminder of how uh, it, it is more than just one part of your body at work. It's a physical thing you're going through. And, it, and it takes uh, being ready for it or being
2: prepared for it. Well, absolutely. It takes being prepared for it. And I told Edward because he did a great job with that San Francisco thing, but he got so focused on it and he worked so hard and he really elevated his uh, game, so to speak. Uh, but then about two weeks later, he was asked to sing God Bless America at the last minute for something, and he agreed. He got up and he did it, and he was like, it went terrible. It was not good. Huh. And he won't show me the video, so I don't know. But you know, I said, "Look, Edward, it's it's no different than uh, an athlete goes out and shoots two free throws to win that game. Mm-hmm. Just because you did it once doesn't mean you're going to hit them both next time. You have to have all the yeah. you, you not only do you have to keep practicing right so that you're so that you're good, but then you have to have some kind of since, uh, what am I going to do to be prepared to hit those two free throws at that moment? When I actually walk out and step at that free throw line, yeah. what am I going to do? What yeah. am I thinking about? How am I aligning my feet, my elbow, my wrist? How many bounces? What am I – where are my eyes? Because you sure as heck don't want to look at that fan in the back with the big styrofoam hands yes, waving sure. around, you're, right. you, you know. Well, hot.
0: where are your eyes when you're singing, say, at the uh, – United Center, and your what do you focus on? Are you looking any particular place where there's a game about to start? Hockey teams are there, the fans are ready. Are you looking at any certain thing?
2: Uh, I don't think so. I I think where my head is at is one. Um, I've kind of gotten myself in touch with my instrument, and just like the, you know, having that, having all that kind of ready to go. And then the second one is really thinking about about what are the words and what is it that I'm trying to project or communicate here, and then that's where I, that that's where I'm at.
0: Five minutes before, ten minutes before, do you want to be bothered? Do you want to be left alone? I don't what? want to be bothered. You don't.
2: No. So <laughs> how yeah. much
0: time is enough t- time?
2: To it depends be alone. on my anxiety level. Okay. And uh, there have been a couple of times, like when I, the last time I can remember very clearly this happening is I was asked to sing the anthem for USA Eagles versus New Zealand All Blacks at Soldier Field, which is a big rugby game, right? right? I mean, Mm -hmm. the All Blacks are an amazing Mm -hmm. rugby team. And, And it was really cool to be asked to do it. And so, you know, I'm going out there, but I have friends with me. And that's always a problem because to everyone else, this is just fun. But to me, it's work, and it's major exposure uh, yeah. and, and you want to stay focused, you know this right yeah, yeah sure. of course and and uh, and so you don't want to uh, I, I can be a little bit of want to be caretaker, I want to be accommodating, I, I worry about my friends or people I'm with having a good time, and that's just a bad, bad place for my head to be, sure, and so I went out uh, to sing, and I realized I hadn't taken my time. I wasn't in touch with my instrument like I wanted to be. I was way too wrapped up in the drama of what was happening at the stadium. The the All Blacks do that haka that really really cool uh Maori I think it is, uh, indigenous okay. people's uh, this yeah. dance okay. that they do mm-hmm. which is super cool if you you know if you want to check that out on YouTube. Uh and uh I was excited to see that, uh, but I also wanted my hometown people to cheer and I wanted our anthem to be better than that. Uh-huh. And that's like a legendary yeah. rugby thing, you know. And so I wanted to be my best and I just got out there and realized I wasn't right. I wasn't
0: And you know it pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, because it's very when you're when you're in that two minutes beforehand, uh, where you're just standing out there and now all of a sudden it's like, Oh man, where are my diaphragm posture, tongue, where's my you know, where's my throat? Do I feel aligned? Do I feel uh you know just uh, vowels are going to be be focused and uh and then what are the what are the words of the song but you're looking around and there's like fireworks and and yeah. people are cheering and they just got done with this haka thing you know and you're like you're you're <laughs> yeah. outside of yourself right yeah. and all of a sudden you have to perform and uh and I had kind of a, a a panic attack just yeah. before I hmm. sang. And I was, like, scared to death. I was going to forget the words. I was going to crack a note. What and did you
0: do? What did you do to get over that moment?
2: I, I, all I could do was, in a way, say, you're going to be fine. And cool. just let everything go. And if you crash and burn, you crash and burn. But you're going to be fine. Now breathe. Just breathe. Just continue this sounds so crazy, but it's just like just continue to exist because this moment's going to come. You can't walk off the field. It's going to happen. But mm-hmm. all I could do is just... Deep, you, deep breaths. Was, and it relaxes there, you. Yeah, it wasn't until I got like uh, uh, really... Uh, it affected how I sang that anthem that time, and uh, I was not happy about that. Well, uh,
0: you know, but you hit on something that I've heard before, <clears throat> that if we stop and think about it, the things that we're afraid of It's not actually the thing we have to do. We are afraid of the consequences of it. Yeah. And you told yourself, if I am not what I want to be at this moment, if I fail to some degree in my mind, it's okay. I mean, I'll get beyond that. Yeah. The, The consequences aren't so... Earth-shattering, and that's what uh, I. I, I mean, I'm just beginning to understand. That well, the war. world's
2: not going to come off its axis, that's yeah, for sure, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: But in your mind, before you do it, you're thinking it
2: will. Yeah, you want to. You want it to be something great, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I do care about uh, each performance. One of the things that uh, helps. Um, there's a really awesome sports psychologist that I've become friends with, and uh, uh, she has worked as a mental skills coach with the Mets and with other uh, other people in the, uh uh, professional athletes and she'll one of the things she'll talk about with them like you're going to walk up and shoot those two free throws you don't look past the end of your arm right you create a world mm-hmm. that's no bigger than kind of yourself yeah and what your job requires and if you get outside yourself which includes Thinking what might go wrong, yeah because now your imagination's going off into all kinds of consequences, yeah. mm-hmm. right yeah. but mm-hmm. also fireworks or pregame shows or the the, the the New Zealand all black players doing their war dance you know uh, you can't you, you've got to stay you don't look past the end of your arm you stay in your space, and I wasn't in my space, and it was very hard I, I just couldn't bring it back under control. Um, couldn't bring my it's – a, it's a mind game. But you're in front of, in that case, that that stadium was packed, you know, 49,000 people and sure. in, in an international media audience. And it's not the easiest or best time to all of a sudden just kind of become oversensitive to that fact and, and lose it a little bit.
0: But I bet you but, what helps you or any of us, <clears throat> if we um, are in a, a position of performance, like the three of us are sitting here, we don't have an audience with us, but we still – I want to bring a certain energy to it. We want to be engaging with it. I bet that from the indie crowd to a much smaller club-like setting, you probably approach it the same way.
2: Uh, Very much so, actually, because... Uh, I always think of that that scene in Hoosiers where the small town basketball team, you know, Gene Hackman takes them into the great big arena, and he takes the tape measure and here's the here's the basket rim, here's the free throw line. Mm-hmm. All these measurements are the same. It's just all this other external dressing, mm-hmm. in a sense, has changed. And and so you know, I can sing for a hundred people, two hundred people. That's a, it's they they tend to be a lot closer to you in those situations too. And uh, and so you don't feel as removed, and it has its own. Uh, it can oh, make yeah. you nervous, sure. and you and you want to sure. do a good job. You want to impress them, sure. you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It's all a mind game.
1: Uh, before we let you go, uh, every time I've interviewed you, I've asked you one one story, one one question: the most unusual place in which you have sung the national anthem. And I think you you know where I'm going on this one.
2: <laughs> I was about to ask you, where is the most yeah. unusual place? That's what I do to him. Go, he does I, that to
1: me all the time.
0: I have yeah. no idea what he's referring to. Oh, yeah, I yeah. do. Yes. Do okay. he departed?
2: Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. The most unusual, it was at a funeral. Mm-hmm. And uh, this fellow was... Uh, uh, avid uh, you know played in adult leagues he was just in his mid 50s and I came into the church and like half the people in the in the crowd were wearing different kinds of hockey jerseys and the family had asked me to come to do the anthem and the uh, the priest didn't want me to do that in the ch- actual in the sanctuary so they brought it out into the uh, the, the narthex, right and and, uh, and so they brought the, the coffin out there too and now everybody's like standing in a little tight circle and they're mm-hmm. like yeah Jim sing the anthem <laughs> Like, like, like I sing the, anth- sing the anthem, like I sing the anthem, you know? And, and, and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's what he would have wanted, you know? And I'm like, okay. So I just started tearing into the anthem, and about half the people cheered, and the other half looked horrified. Sure. And then about uh, halfway through, uh, maybe you got another half of the half that jumped in and got into it because they realized, look, after all the families involved, they're cheering. Yes. They're the ones who brought me there, and, and it's a hockey tradition. And but you know,
0: I got so upset when I yelled, one more time, and you didn't do it. <laughs> oh. I was in the back yelling, that, that was me. <laughs> one more time? Yeah, and you didn't yeah. do it.
2: I, Usually when I'm done with the anthem, <laughs> I'm very happy to uh, take a breather.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you are.
1: Uh, anything else you're working on? Um, anything you'd like to
2: promote or your brand or well, you what, what? you're just uh, I always how you try my, to expand yeah i have uh, you know some some merchandise they just gave out some uh hats at chicagoland speedway uh and i know that we've talked about doing it at arlington park yeah talked with the blackhawks about having them some in the uh, in the stores this season so uh created kind of a really neat Awesome star logo with this guy used to do graphic design for the Dave Letterman show all the time. Uh, Twelve it's Twelve Line Studios, but it's uh, a blue star with one one ray is red, and that kind of symbolizes the hand gesture to the flag, and uh, kind of build and I build a five hundred one c three called Live the Salute, and in the end, the merchandise will help support the five hundred one c three. That's that's one of the things, uh, kind of getting that that merchandise thing going. Um, think like Newman's salad dressing, right? Except yeah. that. Paul Newman didn't need any of that right, money right, cuz he true. made millions of dollars in the uh, <laughs> in, uh film business. I did not I've not made millions of dollars so <laughs> I'm not going to give every single penny of it but it will uh we we actually still haven't figured that part out but uh it will help support the uh the uh the the, the nonprofit. And then the other is I I've started a kind of a corporate show called Anthem's Attitude and Action where we get into and I do it with a sports psychologist I mentioned Daphne Aronson and uh uh we get into performance practice and the kind of attitudes and mentalities yeah. that it takes you know to be resilient mm-hmm. and uh and, and to be successful in in uh at, at a high level whether you're uh-huh. an athlete or performer yeah you sports guys broadcaster you know i mean just whatever that might be and uh uh and that's received really great reviews from people who've been been well, to look, it look you got a great um
0: delivery and attitude about it and you know I feel like I picked up just a little bit of where you're coming from in our conversation because everybody has to be a performer it one point or if
2: you're a speaker right or if you're doing a sales pitch to a board of directors or for that matter if you have a non-profit and you put together something that you are trying to present to a bunch of donors and you have to get up and you really want to nail it you know i mean it's important and and having our uh, our our heads right and our attitude right not just to get one right but what if you you know to to get better and better and, and to bounce back when it doesn't go right or if you have a podcast
0: too, yeah. late, too late for you, Al. <laughs> <laughs> we'll
1: keep working on it. Jim Cornelison, fabulous singer. Thank you for coming on. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I certainly did. Absolutely. Learned a lot. Yep. It's
0: been great. I loved it.
1: <laughs> and you're always uh, gracious uh, with your time. And. Uh, a great guest.
2: Oh, well, thank you. I uh, I appreciate being on with you guys. Well, hurry right.
0: up and end this because I'm going to sing for Jim out in the hall. So. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jim.
2: Yeah, it's my Thanks, pleasure. <laughs> Thanks.
1: Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, was the smart car really all that intelligent? Plus trouble at the drive-in theater. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. All right, thanks to Jim Cornelison, the anthem singer, the singer of Back Home Again in Indiana for the Indianapolis 500. He also sings jazz music and very
0: interesting and articulate guy, Steve. Yeah, and the thing about it is that... Um, you know, here's a guy who took a... It was like us telling our families that we wanted to be in television. Who gets jobs being in television? Imagine how risky it is to find a career in music. You know, that that's, many are called for that, but few are chosen to make solid careers out of that and i thought he was pretty fascinating
1: and as we go we would like to invite everybody to listen subscribe rate back to you on apple podcasts spotify iheart google play stitcher tune in just search for radio misfits it is back to you and steve have you listened to any of these podcasts yet we i think this is number seven (laughs) have you? <laughs> He's a funny guy. You know you're a funny guy.
0: I'm a funny guy. Uh, funny how? The way you tell a story. Funny just, how? Just funny. What's so funny about you're me? It's just
1: funny. It's just funny. Just funny how?
0: He didn't mean anything by that. All right, go ahead. Okay. My son actually
1: met Joe Pesci. I'd love to meet Joe Pesci. What yeah. do you think? And my son said, uh, you're a funny guy. No, I didn't.
0: Anyway. Did he think he was a nice guy? What did I was say before? Right Where him? were we going here? I don't know. I was trying to for- hope that you would forget where you were going there. Why? <laughs> you asked me uh, had I listened yet. Yes. You know, I'm, look, I am so insecure about a lot of things performance-wise. I don't know whether people would think that or not if you make a career out of being on television. But I get real queasy listening to myself or looking at a performance. I, I have to build up to it. So And I should be queasy listening to myself, but I do. <laughs> well. So anyway. <laughs> And, and put the mirror down, I can't believe
1: Man. <laughs> No, I got my phone up for selfies. If you like Back to You with uh, myself, Howard, and Steve, then be sure to check out some of the other programs on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like by day, Rick Kempfer and David Stern are consumers of worthless information. That's what we do every week. <laughs> Each week they share their newest worthless information in the podcast, Minutia.
0: Men, hey, they're yeah. doing our show. Yeah, they are. They stole it. Do you think people by now know who we are? I mean, do they know? There you know, a lot of folks out there in podcast land that may not know who these guys are. I you don't think? really, or maybe know. not. I don't know. I, don't I think know. we're doing well. Well, who are you? I don't know who I am. Right. Uh, let's say good night. You ready for that already?
1: Yeah, but I got to find the. Uh, I got to find the clothes. Bear with me in there. He's Where's got the clothes? A, a Tony, I got all these sheets, and, and you make me, me read them all. Needs. I can't find the clothes. Here it is. Good night, everybody. All right. Special thanks: Sam Greenberg, executive producer Tony Lozano with OPI. That is O P P I H, which is hippo spelled backwards. shows dot com distributed by Ed Silha,
0: RadioMisfits dot I think we've done enough, Steve. We have. I'm on my way to take my singing lessons. I don't have time for any long, exaggerated goodbye. So goodbye. Goodbye. See you next time.
2: The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you.
0: This has been a presentation of Bowl Pie Productions.
2: Tony, can you shut up?
0: This is Minutiaman with Rick and Dave. I was at the temple on Monday. I was walking into the temple and I held the door open for a pretty attractive older woman. I'd say she was like in her early seventies, maybe. And she goes, Well, thank you. Are you here for the seniors event? Oh, ouch. Oh. Uh, let the record show she was kinda hot in a 70-year-old kind of way. So like, I mean, are you, you know, listening
1: to what you're saying right now? Minutia Man <laughs> with Rick and Second <laughs> day,
0: the Tony Lasano podcast and
1: OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.
0: What would that be? A GMIF? Uh, oh, my oh my God. grandma? Oh my God. Stop.
1: Great talk radio isn't dead,
0: it just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com. If you missed L- Los Anno L- An- L- An- La-
2: Los- Los An- and friends, here's what you missed. Happy to be here today, Cheryl Scott, meteorologist. Hi, Fred Winston, Chicago radio guy. I'm Rob Hart in Chicago. How about- Weather. This is a good show to do that. Yeah. What the hell, man!
0: It's, uh, <laughs> Don't I th- blame
2: the messenger. I'm not blaming the messenger. <laughs> that's got to be the worst part about being a meteorologist. They blame you for the for for the sun or the snow or right. whatever. I'm so. like everyone's best friend when it's sunny and 70. <laughs> and like yesterday it was everyone's worst friend. Yeah. But I know that weather changes so
0: dramatically. We do seven day forecasts, and right. I go, well, seven days it sometimes changes seven
2: times in those seven days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but science is getting more and more accurate. Oh, it does. So
2: has the earth been knocked off its axis? I I, I keep hearing stuff uh, about that uh, from the conspiracy idiots at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and that's exactly Is what we're we'll going. <laughs> Radio misfits.
0: Get more. Lausano and friends. Losano. Now on Losano.com. Good luck trying to spell Losano or whatever the
1: Hey, coming soon to the Radio Misfits podcast network and friends starring me, Tommy.
0: And me, Kimmy. And
2: me, Sam.
0: Come meet your new best friends.
1: (laughs) Hey, if you want to listen to our show, this is what it sounds like exactly. It's all about those conversations you can only have with your true friends. So come meet your new friends, Tommy. Kimmy. Sam.
0: Right here with and friends. Me want you as (laughs) friends. Radiomisfits.com.